0: So Painter, you're doing the mailbag again this week. Are you excited? I'm in it to win it. This is what the people want. You know, they ever since you did your first one, people have asked when's the next one going to be? When are when are we going to get the when are we going to get the sequel? And folks, we aim to please. And for your Christmas present specifically we are giving you a painter mailbag on christmas eve that thing's going to drop on christmas eve you are going to have to bring your a game on a holiday week
1: i expect you all to read it i want high numbers you should more yep. than likely be in a position hopefully where you have the time to read it mm-hmm. and if the numbers are not sky high i know who to blame
0: yep yeah yeah it you, can't be can't be, our be fault. me nope nope not at all not at all always blame the reader um so you're gonna have a mailbag later this week. There are a number of things so like Auburn football, Auburn basketball we, we talk about those on on all of our you know mailbags and all of our podcasts and pretty much everything we do. But you know I've kind of developed a, a, a niche of sorts for certain questions on, on different topics whether it's uh, food or music or wrestling or um, random hypotheticals uh, that don't really make much of sense. Or have anything to do with anything. Um, I, I want to know what's the what's the what's the niche subject or subjects that that people can hear. like. Because I feel like you're gonna get Auburn football and Auburn basketball questions. You might get some Christmas theme questions because of the, the timing of the holiday. But like, is there is there something that you're like, man? If if someone asks me a question about this, uh, I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna be ready to pull the trigger.
1: Mac and cheese connoisseur and. Kay. An ability to relax, an ability to have fun while doing Mm -hmm. nothing.
0: Yep, yep. So send in your questions to Painter about uh, Auburn football, Auburn basketball, uh, relaxing, macaroni and cheese, and uh, the holiday season. Because as we always say on the show, Christmas is just around the corner. And it technically is, um, actually, for the first time in a while. Uh, We can say that with, with absolute certainty. Um you can send those questions to Painter on Twitter uh, at PaintSharpless, and what email address you want to give them?
1: KPainterSharpless at gmail That is another way you can reach me if you're not
0: on the Twitter sphere. You have your instructions, people. Go get it done. Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition. We've got a lot to talk about here on this Sunday afternoon evening. We're hopefully we'll get this out to you guys on Sunday night. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless coming to you from Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. Uh, how are we doing weather wise? The last couple of ones we've we've done. Parts Unknown has either been struck by insane wind or uh bitter cold uh what how are we how are we feeling right now
1: it's chilly but the sun has been out chilly that's good sun is out a nice coat will do you can go for a walk for 20 minutes it feels great so you know what that's christmas weather as far as i'm concerned
0: it's gonna be in the 60s on christmas here it looks like it's gonna cool off a little bit earlier in the week Uh, just had some rain it's been raining all weekend uh but uh yeah, we're we're gonna get like a mild Christmas, which is good with, with me. I mean I don't need it to be cold or I don't need it to be snowing. I can I can have the holiday spirit in, in, in any climb. Uh but we appreciate you guys listening wherever you are listening, however you're listening. Um it's a big week. It's it's Christmas week, but also big week for Auburn athletics, mainly football and basketball, which we discuss on this program. Um and we've got we've got quite a bit to cover, so we're gonna get started with the most pressing and I guess most significant news of the weekend. Uh, by the way, if you want to hear us talk about Bo Nix's transfer, uh, the bulk of recruiting this past week for Auburn. Um, let's see what else have we we talked about. We talked about another, more basketball, uh, the NCA stuff. Uh, you know, the the a lot of stuff going on with with the program there. Uh, that happened prior to last thursday you can only listen to it uh with a subscription to the auburn observer that was in a lot in our premium podcast for last week and we covered a lot of ground there so we're gonna talk about things that have happened since our last one if you're a member of the inner circle you can pick right back up here um for the rest of you if you want to listen to that give yourself a subscription you know treat yourself it's it's, it's christmas week um Auburn 74, St. Louis 70. It looked like Auburn was about to take their first loss in a while uh, for a chunk of that second half. Uh, they were in a dogfight early, pulled away late in the first half, and then got off to a really rough start uh, in the second half, and uh, St. Louis was cruising. Yeah, the, the Billikens of St. Louis on their home floor, this was really the first real road test Auburn has had all season because that South Florida game was not at South Florida's Home arena, and it was about a 50-50 split and a molly from from the people who were there, from what they said. Uh, St. Louis hits a three to go up by thirteen, with nine thirteen left. Auburn's w- win probability seven percent at this point, and yet the Tigers pull off a comeback to remember away from home. I want you to be honest, Panther. Do you think this one was done when uh, when when the when the Billikens went up by thirteen?
1: I have taken a very pessimistic turn since, I don't know, the midway point of the November season of football. I actually did have some confidence in this one. Unfortunately, I didn't put it in writing, so you're just going to have to take my word for it. But I I was not doom and gloom when Auburn Hmm. got down, uh, simply because this is a team that's more talented than what they were dealing with. And I think the exciting part here is Auburn's on the road, as you just mentioned. I think there were some times where they didn't catch a lot of breaks from the officials. They found a way and a number of players got involved and it was at one point kind of like, well, there's this thing that we do that they can't stop. Let's not overthink this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that is, that is going to be the uh, crux of the film room coming out on Monday morning for those of you who are subscribers uh, I went and watched the last 11 possessions of the game for Auburn. Every one of them started with that high uh, high screen and roll action where Wendell Green was at the top and Walker Kessler came up and set a high screen, and then Auburn played off of that. A lot of two-man game, but also getting other people involved. There were just so many different things that could, that could happen off of that play, and Auburn executed it really, really well. And in St. Louis – it wasn't great defense. Uh, part of it was what they were doing, and part of it was they just didn't have the the, the talent or the bodies to kind of hang with it. Uh, but, man, also it was, you know, uh, Wendell Green Jr. was playing out of his mind, and so was Walker Kessler. And that went a long way uh, in that one. Auburn, <laughs> Auburn went to the same lineup for the final almost eight whole minutes of the game. Um, a lineup of Wendell Green Jr., Katie Johnson, Leor Berman, Wendell, I'm sorry, I just said Wendell, uh, Jabari Smith, and Walker Kessler. So that's two bench players. Did not have good games from uh, Zepp Jasper and Devin Cambridge. Two of your most consistent players of the season. Just a rare off night for both of those guys at the same time. But Green steps up, and also Leor Berman steps up. Wendell Green, 15 points, three of six from deep. He had eight assists and just two turnovers. Since he has switched in the starting lineup, he has been playing out of his mind. And as Bruce Pearl said after the game, Wendell Green had a calmness and, a, and and just a bit of control on this game that is going to stick in the minds, I think, of Auburn for quite some time. Because on away from home, in a tough environment, uh, about 10,000 fans in the, in the stands, and most of them are, the vast majority of them are are, are going against you. Really good, rowdy crowd uh, in St. Louis. They're looking for their first win over a ranked team in a while. Wendell Green just went to work. And down the stretch of this game, you know, he checks back in with 8-12 left, and Auburn scores 26 points. They go from being down by a dozen to, to winning by four. Wendell Green either scored or assisted on 17 of those 26 points. He just had this game by the throat. And we said it heading into the season. He's got an ability where he can just take over games. And I think some people thought of that, and even I to an extent, where it's like, okay, it's his shooting. And yes, he did shoot very well in this game from deep. He had had several long-range bombs that were very reminiscent of a Jared Harper, which we've seen for him do all season. However, in this sense, taking the game over was him saying, I am going to really, really take all this action and run this play over and over and over again. And you can't stop me because your guy, Uri Collins, the point guard for St. Louis, excellent player, by the way, 13 points, 12 boards, eight assists. He, he nearly got a triple-double. He could not stay in front of Wendell Green, and Wendell Green knew it. There were plays on that on that on that screen, and you'll be able to see it in the film room. There were plays on that when they'd run that high screen, and Kessler's not even making contact with the guy because Green's already recognized the coverage and has already beaten the coverage. Um, and he he just he just went to work, and he distributed really really well. He hit guys in the corner. He lobbed. He finished. What he had a really good finish uh, on his own. He had two big free throws late to put put the game out of reach for Auburn. I mean, this was exactly what we thought Wendell Green could be coming in. And, man, doing it off the bench, he was he was excellent. He was all kinds of excellent in this game, especially in the second half.
1: Green, super easy to cheer for, I think, because of some of the things that he does, plus being undersized. It's this great combination of kind of, you can create the narrative. We make fun of the narratives because they're often pretty lazy. But I think it is easy to envision um you know, especially for someone like me, so maybe I'm projecting a little bit here, but it's like easy to envision yourself upon Wendell when you think about some of the guys that are out there for Auburn that are so talented and so large and athletic. And it's like Wendell does all these incredible things and can have some of these games, and he's in many ways kind of a normal dude, right? He's just an exciting player to watch for Auburn right now. And how about Lior Berman? I thought it was interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about all the depth that Auburn has, the advantage of its deep bench. And yet, like you mentioned, Auburn sticks with a pretty constant rotation. In I guess you could break it down as the final quarter of this game, more or less. Mm-hmm. And Lior Berman's out there for a good stretch of that time. And Wendell Green, who you just spent a lot of time talking about, not a starter, is out there playing some of the best basketball.
0: Yeah, Leor Berman, I mean, Auburn just stuck with him. Um, I think the spacing he provides, he is a shooter. And when he gets on the floor, I mean, look, the dude is shooting 7 of 11 from deep this season. I mean, that's just absurd uh, to be shooting that well. And so with what Auburn was trying to do down the stretch, they wanted to keep that space, and They were going to get a lot of vertical action with that 1-5 ball screen. And then they were going to leave Jabari Smith – and 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 Leor in the corners, and they were going to have Katie Johnson available on kickouts as well, which they used on a couple occasions. He hits the game winner down the stretch, but you know it, it was it was just a really good spot for him to be in because he was a dude that was playing with some confidence. Cambridge just it didn't have it in this game; um, wasn't really clicking for him defensively. It's like him and Zepp Jaster just had rare off nights for for this season. Those two guys have been very much dudes that impact winning at a really, really high level, even when they're not crazy in the box score. didn't really work for him. So it's Berman's turn. And, like, Lior Berman on defense, you know, it, he had four fouls, you know, and it wasn't like he was just this lockdown ripping guys left right, but he did his job. He held his own um, and helped Auburn uh, because he is such a dead-eye shooter, catch-and-shoot guy, and so – when everybody for St. Louis was worried about the downhill threat of of, of Green and, and Kessler, you know Smith in the corner, there's a play, kicks it out to Leor uh, on a great you know drive and, drive and swing, over to the corner, bang hits it, Auburn takes the lead, and yeah, I mean it's just it's that depth he he it's it's that depth that that, that he shows he's a guy that is a walk on. And it's now just like, it's not that it's just like, oh, this is impressive for a walk on. Like, being in that spot and being a guy that they trust down the stretch like that is impressive no matter what. You talk about Alan Flanagan possibly coming back here soon because uh, Bruce Pearl said before the game on Saturday that if it was an NCAA tournament game on Saturday, you know, he would have played. So it sounds like Wednesday when they play uh, uh, Murray State, that's going to be a, an option for him to return. They. Leor Berman just is like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I've deserved minutes this year. His play has deserved those kind of minutes. And uh, down the stretch, I mean, he was a plus player. He led the team in plus minus in the first half when Auburn got on a little bit of a run de- there to the middle to fight back. He was on the floor. So I mean, just an excellent, excellent finish. Uh, and you, you can't say enough about Leor Berman because I mean, he's just been in, a, in the right spot and he's earned that playing time and he's proven that he's that he belongs. That's that's all you can ask for from a guy in that spot. And then on the flip side, you get a dude like Katie Johnson out there who struggles with his shot. He's three of ten in the game, four of eight from the line, one of four from deep, three turnovers, not doing particularly hot. He turns the ball over on the second to last possession. I mean, and if he holds on to it, it's it's either a basket for him to kind of put it away or he's gonna dump it down to Kessler and it's gonna be the end there. But then Auburn calls it again, you know, uh, calls that, that high screen again, kick it out to Johnson. Johnson drives, and he just gets enough room where he does the thing that he's been doing all season, where he just needs a little bit of space, and he's acrobatic enough to finish in traffic, and he's got a ton of confidence. And it says something, Painter, I think, about a dude like Katie Johnson where, you know, he started off the year on this incredible hot streak. These last couple of games he has not played efficiency-wise particularly well. But it seemed like like that last position, it didn't bother him. Like, he looked like a dude that had all the confidence in the world. He took that shot. He took that opportunity like he was a guy who had scored 30 in the game instead of nine to that point. Um, and, you know, Bruce Pearl said it after the game. He's like, he's, he's one of our best players. He can play better, but it's just that confidence that he has that, that really just takes him to the next level.
1: It seems like there are three players who I would trust, and I think – the Auburn team would trust to take a final shot at the end of the game. I think one of them is probably not playing for them right now. Alan Flanagan, when he comes back, I think just about anybody on the team, I would imagine, would give him the green light to take a final shot at the end of the game. Jabari, simply because of the talent. I think that part also is pretty evident. I'm curious to know like how he feels about that as a freshman. It's not necessarily an easy thing to do to be someone that is... Uh, you know, going to be trusted with that final possession. And then KD now more than once has not only been willing to take the final shot in a game, but has made the shot. I think in in the Yukon game in particular, even though they didn't come out on top of that game, there were a number of instances twice. where he was like, you know what, this is on me, win or lose. And I think we saw that again. And this time the result for Auburn, of course, was more positive.
0: And then there's Kessler who we mentioned earlier, Walker Kessler, In this game, eight of ten on two-point field goals. In the second half, all four of his makes were dunks. He went three of four from the line. So he had a big two-for-two trip to the line that Bruce Pearl said he would have killed him if he would have missed one. So good for him. Uh, Nine boards, four blocks. I mean, they had no answer for him. As good as St. Louis is at rebounding for their size, and they are. Um, And We'll get to that here momentarily. Um, Kessler... They just didn't have an answer. They did not have an answer. They He had, on those pick and rolls, they had the coverage kind of in no man's land because they had to worry about green driving, but if they completely abandoned Kessler, he was going to just slam it on them. The lives were on point. Um And it was just constant over and over and over again. He had the blocks down the stretch, and he had the defensive rebounds down the stretch. I mean, he played... A really good game in the second half, and was Auburn's was Auburn's statistical MVP. I think him and Green can kind of share the honors for best player on the floor on Saturday in terms of how they performed. Um, but played thirty minutes, played more than anybody else out there because it was just it was very obvious that St. Louis did not have an answer for him. And it's crazy to think because you know he started off this season pretty slow. But he's now scored double digits in five of his last eight. Two of the ones that he didn't, one of them he was in foul trouble, and the other one he was injured and, and, and came out early. So, like five out of the last six games where he's played considerable minutes, he has been one of Auburn's best offensive players. And this is the type of efficiency and the type of impact. I mean, you're 7 1, and he's playing like he's 7 1. He's finishing really, really well at the rim. Um, and when these teams don't have these big rim protectors to counter them, you got to take full advantage. And he did just that. He played with a lot of confidence. And there were some times in the first half where he could have gone up stronger. Or he lost the ball, or was it wasn't wasn't necessarily working. And it just didn't seem to bother him in the second half. Second half, he was he was all over the place. And on top of that, he's the one of the best defensive rebounders and one of the best rim protectors in the country. He's a juggernaut on the defensive end. And guess what? He's starting to look like it on offense too. He's quickly becoming one of
1: Auburn's best players, which I think if you look at that objectively, you go, well, okay, Painter, that's not a super surprising thing. When you look at where the expectations were when he was coming out of high school, nonetheless, like you said, started slow, offensively, defensively, I think there were plenty of things to be pleased with.
0: He's been a menace all year on defense.
1: And I would say all of that offensive game that is starting to come together, like there are elements of this where it's like, well, his shooting hasn't been phenomenal. Like you said, there are some moments down low where he could be stronger. He could finish a little bit better. Like there are lots of positive signs about his offensive game. And there are some pretty obvious places where there's still room for improvement. I found it interesting in that game. I think St. Louis was happy to let him shoot the three. I think he only shot two of them. Yeah. But I'm I'm content with him taking them for now. And on one of them, they They're were like, looks. they were disrespectful. So much so that the defender backed off, and he just he gave him plenty of space for Walker to just attack the basket. And It's like, all right, fine. Like you're going to give him 15 feet of space. That's that's a choice on how to defend somebody that's seven foot.
0: Yeah, Green hit three threes. As I said, Jabari Smith hit three threes as well. You can tell that St. Louis is really trying to slow him down, and and like you know do a lot with the ball in his hands, but he got open. He had great spacing. This was a game for him where he didn't necessarily have to be the superstar to make a big impact. He hits one of the biggest shots of the game down the stretch. Three of five from deep. One of those three-pointers, he got fouled. Uh, but they said it was blocked. Either way, it you know <laughs> shouldn't have counted the way it did. Auburn ends up scoring on that possession uh, anyway with a, with a three-pointer from Lior Berman. Uh, so no harm, no foul there. He, again, did a really good job, I thought, of of – you know, shaking off a slower start and playing well. Same thing with with Johnson. And so you got you, you got Jalen Williams back. You know, Cardwell played played some uh, decent minutes. Um, Chris Moore uh, back on. You know, been back on the floor and getting in that rotation. This team's going to get even deeper with with Alan Flanagan coming back. This is a this is a crew that like when you have a couple of guys not playing their best, somebody else can step up and they usually do at a high level and on. Saturday night it was Kessler and Green. And then they got the shots when they needed to from Smith and Johnson. And when you have four guys playing like that and scoring like that, it's going to be hard to beat. It is going to be hard to beat. And St. Louis played a really good game. um, But two things were in Auburn's favor, firmly in Auburn's favor. Number one, they shot nearly 40% from deep. Probably should have shot 40% from from deep all told. And Auburn won the rebound. Uh, uh, no, not the rebound and battle. They won the turnover battle. Sorry, they won the turnover battle. And it was kind of that classic Bruce Pearl basketball. Even though they're really, really tall, you can overcome a lot in the rebounding game if you shoot well from deep and create more possessions for yourself, and 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 create more empty ones for the other team by just taking the ball away. And so this kind of felt like a vintage Auburn game, even though it was because the seven foot one center couldn't be stopped. Um, they shot really well. Took forever for St. Louis to hit anything, and uh, from deep, and you know they won the turnover battle, and and the times where they got loose with the ball, they kind of buckled down and and made something happen. Bruce Pearl saying after the game, you know, we've got some big issues that need to be fixed. Uh, this team is really really good. This team is one of the best teams in the country right now. I would say, I mean, Ken Palm, they're. Top 10 in net right now. I think they're 11th in Kempom. They're going to be knocking on the door of top 10, I think, in the AP this week. This is an excellent basketball team. But it's also a flawed basketball team. you know why? Because it's a college basketball team, and they're going to have flaws. No one's going to be perfect. Um, But you could notice where where Auburn's problem was in this game. St. Louis got a lot of points off of layups. St. Louis crushed Auburn on the boards. Now, some of them were long rebounds. They didn't get them. Um, you know, it was telling that Collins had twelve rebounds, considering six six feet tall. Um, less though
1: a plus nineteen in yeah, rebounds.
0: It's like, all right, I it's mean, bad. Yeah, you know, it's shouldn't, bad. Shouldn't, shouldn't they had happen. as many offensive rebounds as, as Auburn had defensive rebounds. That's bad, considering how big Auburn is. And we've seen at times this year, Auburn, the UConn game being a good example, getting roughed up a little bit on the inside, um, and then losing that that rebounding battle. This is a team that. Outside of Kessler and outside of Smith, needs to do a better job on the whole. It's a rebounding team. You know, you didn't get much of it out of your wings. Now, I think, I think having Alan Flanagan back will definitely help in that regard. And I think more minutes for guys like, you know, Jalen Williams, who was you know coming off that injury, could help moving forward. But they got they got they got beaten on the boards. They got kind of crushed on the boards over and over and over again. And that is one area where this team is going to have to hit the drawing board and like, all right, we got to figure out how to fix this. Because the challenges are only going to get tough moving forward, um, especially in SEC play. But on Wednesday, they play a Murray State team that, like St. Louis, is small but really good at rebounding. That was the book on St. Louis heading into the game. That held to form. Same thing happened in this game. Auburn's got to find a way to get tougher down low and finish the game off. uh, or I'm sorry, and start the game like they finished the game off against St. Louis against, you know, down the stretch against St. Louis, you know, when they made that run, St. Louis only had one basket inside the paint. They did a good job down the stretch of defending the rim and getting rebounds and preventing St. Louis from second chance opportunities, right? Auburn, to their credit, had more second chance points than St. Louis did, even though St. Louis had a massive amount of offensive boards compared to Auburn. So you made the most of it of a bad situation. You just don't want to be in that situation more often because you're about to play teams that are bigger and stronger and more athletic because they're SEC basketball teams.
1: St. Louis, quintessential first round team that we would describe as scrappy that you probably oh, yeah. don't want to draw in the tournament. Nope. Auburn gets the win on the road. I'm pleased. I understand that you know this game uh you could have gone into it thinking that Auburn was going to run away with. I think though, from what I could tell the response online, at least whatever that's worth was pretty measured. I think most people got the news that like, this is a pretty good St. Louis team. That's going to be in the hunt to make the tournament. You won on the road and you did it in a way that wasn't necessarily pretty, but it involved sort of a rotating cast of characters. And I think that's what I like most about this team right now is that when players like Cambridge or Insert, doesn't have to be Cambridge. Any any other player has an off night. You've got a deep enough bench. You've got a talented enough squad. There's more than one way that this team can win.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I said it in the preview podcast last week, in the premium one. I said get the win over St. Louis by any means necessary. I mean, it is a road game. It's a quad one win, which, you know, for those of you who don't know, means it's the best quality win you could get. For an NCAA tournament resume in terms of category, uh, because they are a top seventy team in net, and you played them on the road, that's a good win. That's a really, really good win uh, to have. So it was like whatever you can do to get it done, whether you win by one or a hundred, like that, just get it. Just, just get it was was the ultimate goal. This wasn't going to be a game for style points, and it's a lot easier to say that now when Auburn was down thirteen and they came back and won, like, it is a really high-quality win because of how Auburn pulled it off. But it's a high-quality win in and of itself because St. Louis is a team that's going to be tricky. Now, they have issues. They have problems that have hurt them in games down the stretch this season, like this one. Um, But it's kind of crazy to think about it, and I wrote about it in the the observations. In the second half, St. Louis averaged – St. Louis averaged uh, a stunning 1.303 points per possession. That is a offense, and they lost. And they lost because Auburn stepped up when they had to. Uh, and, and, you know, when St. Louis slowed the game down, which is what Bruce Pearl said, he said I'd have done the same thing if I were them in that situation, Auburn just got more stops and, and, and made the most of their possessions down the stretch. St. Louis – did a great job and this is going to be a good team. I don't know if they're an NCAA tournament team, they're going to be in the hunt for it. I think this is definitely a team that's going to get in NIT conversations. Um but, you know, they're in an A10 that looks kind of wide open this year. Um so, I'm interested to see. They got a really good coach. They got one of the best point guards in the country in terms of assist in Collins and yeah, like I said, he almost got a triple double last night. Like he is really really good. Um so, I mean, this is a high high quality win for Auburn. Best win of the season for Auburn. Uh, according to Pearl and the and the and the guys, and and I tend to agree. Uh, this is the, this is one that you will take and uh, and run with it. Um, and so Auburn now down to just one more game in non conference play before they get into SEC play. Like, as we said earlier, they play Murray State on Wednesday. Weird five o'clock tip on on a Wednesday. Um, I bet you don't hate Mar- that though. You no, know, don't hate it. It's going to
1: end a little bit sooner than normal.
0: Don't, don't hate it. I think I'm going to be covering that one for the AP. So that'll help me out a little bit deadline wise. Um, but yeah, Auburn's 10 and one. They could be getting Alan Flanagan back on Wednesday, which will be huge. And be interesting to see how Auburn eases him back into action. They don't have to like, they don't need to me. I don't think they don't need Alan to be elite Allen until February. Like, and even then. This team's good enough around him that he might not have to be what he used to be in order for him to be excellent. Look at a guy like Jalen Williams. Look at a guy like Devin Cambridge. Look at some of these returning pieces where they're not the same guys as they were last season in terms of role, but they can be game winners for you. And so you're getting that back. But like I said, Murray State, team that rebounds really well uh, for, their, for their smaller size. Auburn's going to play at home, which is a pretty good sign for them. Uh, if you look at Murray this year, they shoot really, really well. They're efficient. They're an efficient basketball team, kind of a little slower on offense, uh, but I mean, you got guys like uh, DJ Burns and Tevin Brown and KJ Williams. These are guys that are in the top 100 nationally in several statistical categories of just efficient basketball. Um, so this is gonna be a really tough game. This is gonna be a tough game for Auburn. Um, you know, they'll be projected to win. They'll probably probably be favored by like low double digits in this one. But I mean, I'm I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. This is this kind of feels like another any means necessary kind of win, um, get it, go to the go to SEC play as one of the best teams in the SEC, if not the best team in the SEC at this point, now that Alabama uh, took a loss to Memphis. I mean, you couldn't ask for much more. You, 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 were, that, you were a couple of breaks away from, from being undefeated at this point with that UConn game. But I think you, they've learned a lot from it, and they're continuing to get better as time goes on. And, I mean, I don't think you could ask for much more. Right now for Auburn. Auburn's blown out teams. Auburn's had to battle back in games, in several games. Auburn's had to adjust. Auburn's had to learn. Auburn's had to evolve. And that's what you want out of a non-conference schedule like this. Not a whole lot of, like, wild, like, oh, wow, they beat so-and-so. That's a big win. Like, they don't have a Gonzaga win on their schedule like Bama does. And they don't have a North Carolina win, even though I think Carolina might be might be not good this year um, like Kentucky does. But what they can point to is, is, hey, this is a tricky non-conference schedule that we've gone through. Um, if you look at it right now, I think Ken Palm has it at 75 in the country, or they're about 73, sorry. Um, one of the tougher non-conference schedules in the SEC. I think Bama's the only one with a tougher one. Um, you got to go through this with just potentially just one blemish on on your record, and like this is the time of year where if you want to start heating up, this is it this is it and like this team has got a lot going for them they've got a lot of stuff to work on um but they're about to hit a little start to the season where they get lSU at home which will be very good because it is at home you get a favorable matchup against south carolina on the road then you come back home to play a florida team that you know nobody really knows what fully to expect from them. then you go to bama like there's a real chance they're projected right now there's a real chance they could be 14 and one going to Tuscaloosa And that would be just monumental if you're Auburn.
1: The team has really, the way the schedule has set up has been brilliant. You just mentioned it. Auburn's played in some close games. It's gotten some confidence by winning some games as it should, uh, because it's bigger and more physical and more talented simply than a lot of the teams that will play. I'm like thrilled at this point and also nervous because the conference is going to just be murderous. It's, like Auburn could go 12 and six in conference play. And I wouldn't be upset about it. I want to do better than that. But at the same time, like if they go 13 and five or better, I'm pretty thrilled about the way this team has probably handled itself in conference play. Uh, I'm glad we've got a couple guys who appear to be um, difference makers, not just like as the game goes on, but like, as we referenced earlier, the kinds of players who want to have the ball in their hands at the end of the game, this nice mixture of experience with youth. And then of course, Jabari, I don't think we fully unlocked or Jabari has fully unlocked what potential he has. And we oh, saw yeah. this with Isaac to an extent. And certainly we saw it with Chuma during that end of his sophomore year run where they got hot. And that led obviously to the final four run. Like I would imagine he's still figuring some things out. You add Allen into the mix It's been about as fun of a non-conference slate as we could have asked for heading into, I don't know what the metrics say, Ferg, but I would imagine is the best top-to-bottom league we've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, I think for for SEC, definitely the best top-to-bottom league um, they've had in a while. I think when you look at a Georgia team, with a losing record, I mean, they still have a pretty big scalp on there with Memphis, considering the team that Memphis has beaten. And Missouri hasn't been hot this year, but, I mean, this is, this is a schedule right now, or this is a conference right now where there's a lot of really high-quality teams. And Auburn's going to be right up there as one of the best going into it. I think Auburn and Alabama and LSU are some combination of 1-2-3 right now in the league. With Tennessee and Kentucky, very, 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 very close behind. Kinda the like that, Tennessee. kind of surprised that Arkansas, kind of surprised that Arkansas is kind of slipping like they have had these uh, with, the, with the two losses they've had. But we'll see how they how they turn it around.
1: The numbers like Tennessee, and I'm still in on Arkansas. I think they'll figure it out come yeah. come yeah. conference tournament time. You know that sort of thing. Like they have had a bad week or two here, but uh, Musselman has proven that by the end of the season, it seems like he's going to have a a club ready to go.
0: And I think it's the thing with Auburn, and I wrote about it in the mailbag this week. Somebody asked me, "Is like I don't think Auburn is an elite team. I don't think they're a number one seed type of team right now. I think the ones that are in in college basketball have kind of separated themselves, but it doesn't mean they're un, you know unbeatable. Um, but you know they've got every right to move on up. I mean, if they win a bloodbath of of an SEC season this year, I think whoever wins the SEC could be number one. could be a number one seed. Um, and I think Auburn just getting a top four seed." in the sec tournament is awesome but this is a team that's got the talent and the depth and is only getting better and you know what they're going to be contenders in the sec all year but they got it they gotta get the job done first against uh, murray state and that'll be that'll be a fascinating and, and i just
1: want to add like a lot of bruce pearl teams this team seems to have some personality which may mean very yep. little in terms of what happens with the results this year but it's more fun when it's that way and not to mention i think Auburn's final four run squad because it had some guys who'd played together for a number of years and some guys who were there when things weren't as great. Um, And it was interesting to see that dynamic. It was interesting to see that team play together. They had a lot of fun. Well, now Auburn's in a different place. Like most of the guys that have been on this team, although I will say, I mean, last year, if you were on the team, it wasn't an awesome season. But a lot of these guys, in one way or another, because of where they came up in recruiting or what expectations had already been laid at Auburn with Bruce Pearl there, like there is, I think, a different sense around the program of what is expected of them at this point in time. Nonetheless, yeah. uh, if you saw Katie Johnson's post, I think Christian Clemente <laughs> put it on Twitter, but I think he yep. pulled it from Katie's IG. Uh, very fun having some fun at the expense of the St. Louis crowd, who seemed by the way, to be a very engaged and fun crowd. I think that was a, a big deal for them.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely was. They had a real chance to, to beat a ranked team for the first time in a while. Uh, they were getting after Auburn's players and Auburn's players wanted to get back after them. But I think you know, Bruce said it after the game, he was saying that there were St. Louis fans saying like, Hey, thank you for coming and playing us. Cause I mean, that's a mid major and that's a you know top 10 potential program coming to play there. And, Bruce told the story about how you know Travis Ford and, and, and uh, St. Louis's athletic director stepped up and, and agreed to come play in Birmingham for the Mike Slive Invitational. And they talked about Slive's connection to St. Louis uh, when he had his, uh, his, his cancer diagnosis and, and going through treatments there. And um, you know, St. Louis' AD is a, is a cancer survivor as well. So it was a really cool connection to see that. And then Auburn, as part of the agreement, said, hey, we'll come back and play at your place. We'll have a true road game. And Armour got exactly what they wanted. They got exactly what they wanted uh, out, out of this game. The, 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 the money quote from Bruce Pearl uh, last night, to kind of wrap it up, uh, is this. Uh, he said, um, we want to be in a hostile environment. St. Louis is a really good opponent. This is a great, great facility. They had great fans. It was important to get tested. I got a chance to see who had the stones to finish, and I was very proud of those guys. Yeah, that closing lineup is pretty was pretty nasty. And when you think about how a fully operational Allen Flanagan could be a part of it moving forward, uh, really exciting because there are some guys who weren't in that closing lineup that are going to be difference makers for Auburn this season. And that group is going to get better and better, I think, as time goes on. So, Auburn in a fantastic spot heading into their final non-conference game before they go play a really fun LSU team. Um i was out of the loop
1: i i did not realize just how stifling their defense had become
0: lsu yes
1: i mean good best defense in
0: the country by a considerable margin uh opponents are only shooting 39.5 (laughs) percent on effective field goal field goal percentage or top 10 in uh defense in uh forcing turnovers i mean they're 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 nightmares they're nightmare machines on defense right now and uh They've played some quality opponents. This is not like Kentucky. This is not like some of these some of these opponents where or these these conference games where or conference teams where they have not played good good teams. I mean, they've beaten Belmont. They've beaten Penn State. They've beaten Wake Forest. They've beaten Ohio. They've beaten Georgia Tech. They've beaten Louisiana Tech. Those are all top one hundred teams. Um, so, yeah, that game that game's going to be a lot of fun uh, because I think I think anybody who goes against LSU this year is going right into a war, and they're not as offensively you know. Offensively strong as they usually are, but man, that defense is, that defense is killer. Killer right now. Um, so, moving on from that. Before we head on to football and discuss what we've got going on there uh, from, from an Auburn perspective, Painter, tell the folks at home how they can continue to support this podcast and the work we're doing over at the Auburn Observer.
1: Rate, review, subscribe. I, of course, am partial to this and enjoy anything that involves me, my voice, and my opinions. But I do think we've had some strong premium podcasts of late. Would hate for you to miss out on that. Rate, review, subscribe. All right, that's the easy 20-second thing you can do. And if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, what would be a good gift with Christmas right around the corner? Well, I've got something for you. We've got something for you here at the Auburn Observer.
0: Yeah, $6 a month or $60 a year, you can give a subscription to um, a loved one uh, who loves Auburn uh, here at this time of year. If you give a month subscription, uh, it's just for that first month. It's not a recurring thing, so uh, just keep that in mind. Um, And there's a lot of you who did the yearly gift subscriptions last year, and a few of you have reached out about... um, about how about giving the year-long gift again, which is really cool. There's been some people who are on gift subscriptions that have resubscribed on their own, which is awesome. Um, so a lot of you are, are are jumping on right now or staying on, which is which is awesome. We've we've seen a lot of growth here in this in the last year and a half, uh, and uh, it's blown past any of our expectations. And uh, we're having a whole lot of fun. Um, you know, doing this for you guys and because you guys are the whole reason that this this happens. And so ArminObserver.com, sixty dollars a month sixty dollars a year It's a great way to uh, to give a gift this holiday season or jump on board yourself. Um, and once you sign up you get not only two podcasts a week sent to your email inbox, but you get everything involved on the newsletter side, which we've had a lot of good football information out there with recruiting and, and bowl prep and roster management all that stuff and then the basketball coverage uh, pretty much every game and then the film rooms that come off of that as well. So there's a lot of stuff. Uh, Last week was super, super busy and auburnobserver.com sign up there. But as Painter said, you can rate and review and subscribe to the podcast and you can do that for absolutely no money down uh, which would be very, very helpful to us. So all you got to do is use an Apple device of some kind Uh, click the podcast app type in the search bar uh, type, go to the search button. Type in Auburn Observer. Click on the Auburn Observer. Scroll down. St- scroll down to ratings and reviews. Tap writer review. Give us five stars and say something nice about Painter, and we will read your five star review on the air because we are vain, but we also like hearing from you guys. Um, Painter, we got a really cool uh, review here um, to read. You ready? Lay it on me. This is from Snap Ghost eight six seven five. Snap Ghost writes. 2020 and into 2021 have been some hard years, and I'd like to thank Ferg and Painter for this podcast and their efforts in the Auburn Observer. I can always count on them to be a highlight of my week on Sundays and Thursdays. They're knowledgeable, fun, and the podcast is always great. Feels like you're getting to be a part of the conversation between two old friends. For any Auburn fan, the podcast needs to be number one on your list, and the money for the premium subscription is the best I've spent this year. Thank you guys, and Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Snap Ghost. That was very, very kind, and uh, we, we really appreciate that. All right, Painter, we also have to we also have to do a little business here. Good timing. Very, very good timing. Let us tell you about our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Homefield Apparel is the number one place to get high quality college apparel uh, for your favorite team. And if you're listening to this podcast, your favorite team is almost certainly the Auburn Tigers. They've got a lot of stuff at Homefield for you. I'm talking the softest, most comfortable t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts. They've even got some joggers, for those of you who are into that kind of thing, all at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, the Auburn ones right now, I mean, t-shirts alone. You've got the 1957 National Championship. you got some vintage Auburn basketball uh, ones. You've got some sailor albies. There's a lot of really, really cool designs. Nobody does a better job of coming up with cool designs and putting them on the absolute best products then our friends at homefieldapparel.com and uh, I mean painter we we don't just we don't just say this we just don't take their money we are we are living examples of the homefield lifestyle i'm currently wearing my favorite piece of homefield apparel right now which is my university of hawaii Rainbow warriors hoodie um I know you are you were big during football season about the about the sweater game uh, with, with homefield and uh, you you can get you can get in on that action as well there's even a really cool Auburn basketball sweatshirt right now that I've seen at a few games this year um, homefield is the place to go and it, it's not just Auburn they have you know dozens and dozens of schools and they're adding more constantly now if you're listening to this podcast right now probably not going to get your gifts in time for the holiday season from homefield even though they have been pretty fast about shipping. Uh, this year, but um, if you get a little Christmas money and you want to spend it on some home field, go to homefieldapparel.com and in the promo code section when you do your order, if it's your first order, you can type in the promo code Observer, get 15% off. Uh, and uh, they've got gift cards for last second gifts if you know somebody in your life who would love some home field, you can give that as well. That is homefieldapparel.com. Uh, great friends of the podcast. Great friends of ours. Uh, Connor and the gang up there. And uh, yeah, hope they take good care of uh, Sean Chivers because that's going to be a lot of fun to watch Worm uh, as a Hoosier. So thank you guys. And thank you to Homefield. All right. Fanny, we got some football to talk about. Football news for some football guys. Here we go. Let's start with. Let's start with the most recent bit of news, and then we'll go to the bigger one. Sunday afternoon, this is why this podcast is a little delayed. We wanted to make sure uh, it was official. But Auburn getting a signing, not just a commitment, but a signing. He did it earlier in the week and uh, just wanted to uh, make his announcement on French national TV after the New York Giants game went off the air over there. Jeffrey Mbaugh, the number one junior college player in the country, is an Auburn Tiger. Uh, signing uh, with the Tigers earlier in the week, making his announcement on Sunday, giving Auburn the number one Juco player in the country for the first time since uh, Jarrett Stidham in 2017, and uh, putting Auburn back in the top 15, according to the 247 Sports Composite, which combines all of the uh, all of the recruiting rankings. Uh, they are now number 13 uh, in the country, and they still have room to grow with that class. Jeffrey Embaugh on board and Painter, This is one large young man.
1: Brad Bedell, step up, enjoy yourself. What a touching moment, though, for real, between uh, the coaching staff and him. It seems like this was, as it is for everyone, I'm sure, a big decision. But for whatever reason, we did get to capture a glimpse of something that felt kind of intimate.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Brad Bedell, if you haven't seen the video, you can find it online. Uh, Jeffrey Embaugh told... Bedell and and Harson that he was committing to him it was you know what we call in the business a silent commitment but they had the video where he tells them says hey we're gonna make the announcement later but you know I'm coming I'm coming to Auburn so there was a lot of excitement Badel is yelling he's hollering his head off over off the side and it's a real long hug between mba and Brian Harson and you could tell just everybody in that room really really excited coming from Independence Community College one of the best uh. You know, one of the best JUCO programs in the country year in and year out. Mba uh, lives in France, uh, was originally born in Africa, but uh, it moved to France when he was young. Uh, hasn't played football for a long, long time, but what he has done has been really impressive to be the number one JUCO player in the country. As a guy who's still relatively new to the sport, says a lot. He is six foot six, he is 305 pounds, and more importantly, Jeffrey Baugh's nickname is Thanos, which I think is a devastating nickname for some dude who's playing on the defensive line.
1: I don't know what the deal is with Colby Wooden. God knows I hope he comes back. If that all shakes out and they make this addition with some of the other guys they've made, I mean, that has been a huge part of our conversation for the last month or so, is Auburn has needs that they have to fill immediately. And this is one of at least three where it feels like they've done that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, 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 was, a, it was a big pickup. I, I just got a little distracted here, Painter, because as we were recording this live, I don't know if you looked at it on Twitter, Bo Nix has landed with his new destination. And you ha- Have you seen it yet? Yeah,
1: that's why I oddly interjected while you were doing some business stuff. I thought <laughs> that we were moving on. I didn't realize that we had more... Eyes to dot and T's to
0: cross. Bo Nix is going to Oregon, where he will reunite with Kenny Dillingham, and he will, uh, uh who who just took over there? Took over there, uh, Dan Landing, the former Georgia defense coordinator, is now the head coach there. But Bo going to the West Coast, and he is going to be a duck. Uh, and and Oregon's first game of twenty twenty two is against Georgia, so Bo cannot. <laughs> Bo is not avoiding the dogs. By any means. So I'm, I'm very I'm gonna be fascinated to see what he does uh with a brand new coaching staff um and, and going out west. That
1: seems fun, you know, change of scenery. It's green, it's lush, Phil Knight's hanging out.
0: He also in his uh his Instagram uh, announcement, he is wearing a Nike hoodie, uh, which I think is is a pretty good it's pretty good uh sign. I'd heard honestly
1: probably refreshing for him, you know. They've just got better gear. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I had heard during the week that, or really since he had made made his announcement, that where he was going to go was going to be a little surprising to some people. Um, but it wasn't going to be in the SEC, and you know it was going to be Power Five, and so that ran through a lot of options. Though Ole Miss was a one that they got a lot of uh, uh, a lot of, you know, momentum there. But it seemed like he had his decision already made. And I think with Dillingham going to uh Oregon, um this one kind of made a lot of sense. They need a quarterback. It'll be interesting to see what they do in year one. And and you know what? He's 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 stepping into a conference where if you're if you're Bo Nicks and you are wanting to improve your stock, I'm not saying he's running from competition, let me be very clear. But that's a conference where you can put up some numbers if you start rolling. And so, if that's where he needs to be to get into um, to get into where he wants to be with an NFL decision, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch and follow along. Um, so, yeah, Bonex to Oregon, you said something about Emba before I got sidetracked. What was what what was it? It was something about three, and I was I was. Oh, blanking. just
1: that Auburn had some immediate needs. Like, yes, yes, they've got to pick up some players for the long term. I think it's pretty clear success is sustained through high school recruiting at an elite level at a blue chip ratio level, whatever. Uh, but they also could not simply count on freshmen coming in right away. And there were some positions of need that they've gone to the junior yep. college route for and done so emphatically. And on top of that, I was also adding, I don't know what Colby Wood's status is. I don't know if you're in a position to talk about that. I'm just saying adding what it seems like they might be getting back with this recent news is a pretty exciting pairing.
0: Yeah, it, Colby Wooden said he hasn't made his decision yet on whether he's coming back or not or going pro. Same thing for Derek Hall. Um, we'll see. I think it was something where, you know, going off of guys that were coming back, possibly. Owen Papo apparently back at practice. He hasn't opted out. I, I wonder if he'll play in the bowl game, but I think the sign that he hasn't opted out and he hasn't gone in pro yet and he might be back at practice after missing most of the season could be a good sign that he could be coming back next year. So i will be interested to see with Wooden and, and Hall. They're going to get information. They're going to get, hey, here's where we think you are. I think both of those guys, Hall and Wooden, another year with the defensive line talent that Auburn could have could be in a really, really good spot. A guy like Embaugh gives you another big body and it's an impact type of player uh, down the middle. I think J.J. Pegues is a guy that is going to continue to get a lot of attention. You've still got dudes like Zach Hibius Walker. Walker. Uh, you, you've still got Lee Hunter and Marquise Robinson who were highly rated coming out of high school. They're doing a good job, uh, from what Brian Harson said earlier this week, at uh, at bowl practices. This could be a really good defensive line next year, and I think Embaugh gives you something that you don't have right now with Tony Fair leaving, with Marquise Burks on the way out, uh, possibly as well. You need another big-body dude. Auburn signed three of the top seven uh, Juco players in this class. Jeffrey Embaugh, top defensive lineman in the country, or player in the country, and by extension, the top defensive lineman. Uh, in the country, you got Keontae Scott, number one corner in the country, coming out of junior college, and Marquise Gilbert, the number one safety. That is instant impact on the defensive side. Auburn needs to start getting some guys that are instant impact players on the offensive side of the ball, whether through the transfer portal or junior college. But this has been a really good reloading by uh, Derek Mason and and the guys on the, on that staff on the other side of the ball in this stretch where they've gone all the way up to a top thirteen class in recruiting, and our buddy friend of the program and Auburn director of player relations, our guy Trevon Reed, saying uh, they're not done yet when it comes to junior college players. So keep that in mind uh, moving forward. So Jeffrey Mbath, Thanos, is coming to the Plains, I believe the first French player to ever play at Auburn. Uh, I think that I think that sounds right. You've, Auburn's had Germans and Australians and and Canadians and others kind of come in, first French player coming into the program and he is not the only new addition for auburn another one that was rumored for a while that was made official sunday or sorry saturday afternoon they announced the hiring of austin davis as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach this one had been rumored for a while this one had been widely reported by several people on the auburn beat who were on top of this thing the whole way I think it was on Tuesday. It was it was the move. There were some national reporters who wanted to come out and say, "Oh, it hasn't been finalized yet," because they, I don't know. I guess they got to feel important, whatever. Uh, but the people who know were on top of it the whole way here in Auburn and uh, making that uh, making that official. Auburn has a new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Doesn't seem like uh, he he's going to be the play caller. It Sounds like Brian Harson might be the play caller, not only for or Eric Keys out, some sort of combination, not only for this bowl game coming up against Houston, but moving forward. But Painter, your initial thoughts on, I'm interested to hear what you think, your initial thoughts on Auburn hiring a young NFL coach to come coach their quarterbacks and be their new offensive coordinator.
1: Well, they got the vote of confidence, as you would probably expect from Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Like, I don't think that those guys are going to slam him, right? Uh, But certainly it's curious to me that, harson went this route i think you can absolutely find plenty of reasons to spend it one of two ways you can say he's young which makes him inexperienced he's not had to recruit just like a lot of other players i know he's from the southeast but it's not like he's been recruiting alabama and mississippi and louisiana and florida and georgia right uh so like you can make an argument either way about why there are plenty of young coaches who have sort of become very trendy with their ability to um adapt and be sort of uh I guess, forward thinking with the Mm -hmm. way they view the game and the way they handle their rosters. And the inverse could be said probably, which is that you're adding another guy to the staff that is an unknown commodity as a recruiter and uh, hasn't been doing this for very long. I think as we have sort of come to a conclusion generally regarding coaching hires,
0: I would say to you, the listener, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's it's everything with the coaching hire. But I, I, I like a lot of aspects of this hire. I think ultimately it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he does with Auburn's quarterbacks, the guys they already have on campus, guys they might be bringing in to the picture. It seemed like Russell Wilson thinks really highly of him. And, you know, it's a press release. So you're supposed to say really nice things about the guy. But I think the fact that, you know, a guy like Pete Carroll – who's been around and been very successful in football for a long time was so willing to make this guy a coach right after he got done playing and seems to be really high on him and that he had a really good relationship uh with working through mechanics I think it's very similar to like Peter, I don't know how 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 familiar you are this you know like player development coaches in the in, in the NBA where it's guys that are usually younger or usually guys that are you know might not be like strictly coaches. They were talking about Adam Harrington, a uh, former Auburn uh, player who's kind of had that relationship and connection with the Nets and, and, and KD over the years. It's that player development where it's like, you know, I'm not your coach in terms of I'm going to tell you, hey, do this, do this, do this, and, like, kind of be the guy in, like, this super high position of authority over you. But I think when you look at, like, a guy like Russell Wilson and some of these other players, when you're making tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to play a sport – your coach, especially one that's so close to you in age, is a guy that's like, "Hey, I'm here to help you get you better. I'm he- I'm here to help you develop your skills. I'm help I'm here to help you kind of be technique fo- focused and all that." And so that approach to Auburn's quarterback room would be very interesting to take if Brian Harson and, you know, Eric Kiesau as well as a guy who has experience being a coordinator for Harson. If those guys take more of a responsibility like Here's the play con. And I think Harson will probably end up the guy. I'm very curious to see what Auburn does moving forward there in that regard. But if Harson's taking more of a hands-on, run-in-the-show approach on offense, I think Davis' role is going to be let's take some of what I've learned in the NFL and what I've been able to do and, like, try to make these guys into more like, hey, look, I know what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. He was a walk-on who ended up becoming one of the best quarterbacks in, in Southern Miss history played in the league for a lot longer than people thought he would coming out of college as an undrafted free agent, and then got into coaching really, really quickly. You put all that together with some young – I mean, think about Auburn's quarterback room. T.J. Finley is still a very young quarterback. Demetrius Davis is still a really young quarterback, and, of course, Holden Garner is as well. Developing those guys and then maybe bringing in others uh, to, to you know battle it out, developing those guys and saying, can we – take this group to the next level. Can we take some of this knowledge of what we learned in the NFL and apply it to that? And the comparisons are like to Joe Brady, um, you know, when he went from the NFL to LSU, and he wasn't the primary play caller, but he had so much impact and influence on this offense. I don't know if you'll necessarily see that much of, I mean, you might, where you see that much of, like, his fingerprints, his DNA all over it, um but maybe maybe that influence and that impact comes through Liam Cohen is a guy who was in a similar spot quarterbacks coach for the Rams he comes to Kentucky to be the offensive coordinator does a lot of great uh does a lot of great things there um so th- this season and really helps open up Kentucky's passing game i, I just there's a lot of i, I think it's a really forward thinking and a really cool hiring for auburn be interested to see how it plays out with him and harson but like it's it's another one of those things where it's like when Harson parted ways with Bobo and parted ways with his wide receivers coach so early uh, in the season and, you know, stuck to it. Uh, Auburn stuck to their guns down the stretch of the recruiting cycle and went from a bad class to a really good class. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if this is ultimately going to be successful or not when it comes to Harson and the challenges that are ahead of him because there's a ton of them. But, painter, there's something to be said for letting a guy do it on his own terms. And this is another step in that.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I don't know how this is going to go, but. At the end of the day, based on some of the moves he's made early in the season, early in his tenure, and then, you know, at the end of the first regular season, and if he does end up being the play caller or if he does end up having his hand in the offense, it's like, all right, I, I don't know how handcuffed we can say this guy will have been. I guess that's mm-hmm. something that could still unfold. But it, that was always a debate of conversation around Malzahn, right? I mean, seemingly right. from like the 2015, 2016 season on, it was like, who's calling the plays and how much does Malzahn need to do this? And I don't know how long this Harson tenure is going to last or what it's going to amount to, but he has taken chances. He is trying to do things like you said, his way.
0: And I think the way that they did in recruiting and the clothes they had is a good sign, but there's going to be a lot of challenges moving forward. They've got to fix the offensive line. And like, that's not something that you can just snap your fingers and do. They're going to be connected to several guys that are transfers and, they're going to have to develop guys that are already on campus and maybe they could get a player or two to come back. I found it interesting this week that Austin Troxel and Brandon Council are in bowl practices. I thought those could have been guys that, you know, could have said we're done, you know, we're moving on um, or, you know, sitting it out just because of their injury situations this year. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy by any means. And Auburn's not fixed, but these are really good signs and really good, uh, you know, I think kind of, Points moving forward, it's like all right. If Auburn can build off of this momentum, or if this plan works, like with Austin Davis, you could see where it's going to be a process. It's not going to be instant gratification by any means, but it's what we said about Harson coming in. It is the big picture. It is a program builder. That's what he did at Boise State, learning from a great program builder uh, in Chris Peterson, and I think that's what they're going to try to do here at Auburn to be a team that is more consistently in the hunt for championships. Um, and you know what, 2022 is going to have a ton of challenges, and it's going to be—I mean, it's going to be hard to, you know, get a much better record next season. But why predict Auburn football? It's like the dumbest thing you can do um, because no one really knows what's what's going on year in and year out. We don't even—we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. We don't even know what the offensive line's going to look like. There's a lot there, but the early stages of the process and what is a long off season looks pretty good. All right, where does that leave us? So. Brian Harson talked on Thursday in Birmingham, hit a lot of topics. If you want to read more about it, the Observers got it. Um, offensive line uh, was a big focus on Thursday, like we mentioned earlier. Um, mentioned the Papo things. Uh, one more uh, transfer to talk about, Amari Harvey into the portal. This guy didn't play this year, came in, was one of those guys in kind of the limbo stage. Auburn signed quite a few defensive backs in this class, so I think it's one of those guys that's Just like, oh, okay, well – Maybe playing time is not going to be the best spot for me, and so Harvey going elsewhere. It's it's one of those more predictable ones, but um, I'll say this: they are now they have now have seven outgoing transfers, which means they can replace all of them with new signees. Uh, that is the magic number you can hit to kind of max it out. Uh, so Auburn's got not only plenty of room left in their initial class for 2022. But Now you can add quite a few more guys as transfers as well. Auburn could bring in a massive amount of players this offseason. I think they're going to have to do so. So, What that means is is you're creating a little bit more room to... and I, I mean, you know, Harvey's making the best decision for himself. I'm not saying he's getting pushed out or anything like that. But what Auburn has done now with these guys getting out is like they have now created the room to go out there and maximize how many people they can bring in. And I think they're going to have to here in, the, in this cycle. Um, but they're playing Houston uh, in a little over a week. We'll have more on that as we get closer to that game. But uh, a Houston team is going to be really, really tough. I think Auburn's offensive line is going to be the primary focus. Um, but it'll be interesting. You know, Auburn had guys opt out that are going to the next level, but it's not everybody. They're having some key players who are, who are going to be coming back and playing in this game as they at least contemplate what their what their futures hold, and that's a good sign. There was a lot of doom and gloom this time last week uh, with the program. The fact that you've got a number of guys wanting to come back, I think, is is a really good sign for the for the Tigers.
1: Quite frankly, I, you know, I'm doing my spin zone. I'm hoping everything that I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to speak it into existence with this offense, whether it be for the bowl game or the new offensive coordinator hire. Like, I don't really have any evidence that this is going to go particularly well, but I also don't have any evidence that it's not.
0: Right, right, exactly. I think that's the key thing. It's like it could go either way. As a fan, my take is always, for y'all, like, it's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems. But also, like, the offseason is the time for optimism. If you're going to be very pessimistic all off season, you're going to have a bad time. Um, so if you're looking for reasons to be positive, I think this hire of Austin Davis is very forward-thinking. I think it's very uh, it's very interesting to see how it all comes together with a young quarterback room. I think it's also something for Harson where you can say, you know what, he's doing things on his own terms. We'll see how much momentum they can gain in the in a bowl game that is going to be tough. Not the end of the world, but also not everything's fine and everything's perfect again for Auburn football. Um, but you know, if you wanna if you want a well oiled machine to cheer for right now, you got Auburn basketball. They're <laughs> they're in a really good spot. And I think that's kinda where, you know, it was a process there in basketball. And of course, Bruce Pearl was working from a much further spot behind than Brian Harson did. But it's about pr- building a program and building something consistent. And I think Auburn has definitely done that in basketball, and they're trying to do that in football.
1: I feel like we're cruising here. This has been good. Auburn, Auburn is supplying us with plenty of good news right now. You know, that's the thing about the off season. It can, it can become a little bit uh, uh, laborious, not right now, not between everything we had with signing day and the basketball team playing well and everything else you just (laughs) listed about the transfer and, and Auburn's offensive coordinator and generally just the direction that this offense will or will not take next season. I think, uh, be curious to know, like what does the average fan feel about this football program? Because mine was so overwhelmingly pessimistic as we shut things down with the regular season. And I'm starting to pick myself up and decide, you know what, I guess I'll just hop back on it and see if we can, you know, win nine games.
0: That would be a, that would be a heck, heck of a, heck 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 a 2022 20, season. That'd be a phenomenal year, but you know, what? not impossible, not impossible by any means. Who Um, I? There's a lot at AuburnObserver.com for you to take in. We've got uh, the mailbag from last week was a fun one. Painter's doing the mailbag this week. we got a film room up on Monday on Auburn's uh, the play. Auburn went to over and over and over and over again to beat St. Louis and pull off a really fun comeback win for the Tigers. Um, and a uh, really important one as well. Uh, we'll have more stuff throughout the week. Uh, Auburn plays Murray State. Uh, more recruiting. More uh staff uh kind of info you know with 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 austin uh, davis uh signing on and kind of the impact there so it's gonna be a lot here in christmas week you know we're gonna we're gonna enjoy the holidays but we're not we're not taking this week off by any means we're not we're not going on vacation we're right here we're gonna be here for you guys and uh sign up and be a part of it six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year you excited for christmas I'm
1: ready, I think it's that time I'm looking forward to uh, having you know just a little bit of time off and watching some football, all that stuff, although man, you know it's, not to get into the the sad stuff, but at least right now it looks like some stuff's on pause, whether yeah. it's football
0: and or basketball yeah yeah as as we always say on this podcast, everybody take care of yourselves. It sounds like this you know this, this variant is uh picking up in infections doesn't seem to be as dangerous or as deadly as the other ones in the past, but uh, it is disrupting life a good bit. So everybody, uh, a lot of travel going on. Try to be as safe as you possibly can uh, and and enjoy what you got going on. You hitting the road or are you staying in parts of the I'll be
1: around. I'll just be hanging out. You know, that thing I do.
0: Yeah, that thing thing you do. Um, Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, For those of you who are subscribers, we'll talk to you again later this week after the Auburn-Murray State game. Uh, for those of you who are our free listeners, uh, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast feed. And we will talk to y'all sometime early next week. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays. All that jazz. Painter, final thoughts.
1: Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Dillon, you can do it. Let's connect. Let's push me over the hump with fantasy football.